Welcome to Word Birds, where you'll hear content conversations directly from the flock. Join Christopher Willis in conversation with content experts and thought leaders as they chat about how to make the most out of your words in business. Here's your host, Chris. Hello and welcome to Word Birds, a birds of a feather conversation amongst people who care about words. Today on the show, Ryan Sargent. Ryan is the director of content marketing at a company called Verblio. Today on the show, we're going to talk about AI-generated content, how it's going, where it's going. We're going to talk about machine learning and how that helps businesses create this content. And finally, we're going to talk about how every piece of content, every touch point is critical because you never know when your customer is going to jump into the conversation. Let's sit back and get some insight from the flock. All right. Today on the show, I've got Ryan Sargent. Ryan, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. First things first, I would like you to tell the people that are listening what Verblio does. I think it's really interesting. I think this audience is going to think it's really interesting. Yeah. So we like to refer to Verblio as the world's friendliest content creation platform, which is a fancy way of saying that we're a content creation marketplace. So We have thousands of writers all in specialized areas. We connect those writers with folks who need great content, often long-form written content, blogs, eBooks, things like that. And our thought is that this gets you the best of both worlds. You're not paying for some boutique marketing agency. We're at a totally different price range than that, where you're going to pay $1,000 for a single blog post. And at the same time, you're not braving the wilds of Fiverr and Upwork, hoping that the writer you find is going to get the job done. And you also get the benefits of a marketplace that you're not looking for a freelancer who you then get to negotiate a contract with and manage and wonder why they went on vacation two weeks before all the stuff was due. And right, that kind of stuff happens with the tech on our end. We manage the marketplace, we manage the writers, and they find you. So you submit a brief and a verbal writer actually writes on spec and you can provide feedback, decline, accept, and you pay for the stuff you accept. So Yeah, it's a way to connect folks who need content with folks who build content in a way that hopefully is a win-win. How many people are on the platform? Writers? More than 3,000 writers on the platform. So what we like to say is if we haven't found an industry that we don't have a writer for, I've seen articles on everything from celebrity gossip to crypto trends to financial planning, you name it. So we have a whole team of legal experts that reviews articles for clients in the legal space to make sure those are authentic and correct. No matter where you're at, there's a writer for you. That's very interesting. Something that if you're listening, my team probably be looking into. I hope that they're listening. But the thing that comes to mind, so I've been getting a lot of incoming requests for comment from the media recently about AI content creation. So how does that come into what, I mean, you must have a position, I guess, against AI content creation, maybe? Yes and no. Are the robots coming for my job? I don't think so. I don't think the robots are smart enough. Maybe that comes with a yet at the end of the sentence. We certainly have competitors that are really focused on AI-generated content, where the AI is putting together, and by AI, I mean machine learning algorithms, are putting together words and sentences in a way that generates the words and sentences you should put on your website. In general, haven't found that those measure up to the quality of human writers yet, particularly when you're measuring the content for that kind of qualitative essence that really determines whether or not people want to read it. So from that perspective, maybe the robots will get there one day. We're not there yet. The places where machine learning and AI can be really helpful to content creators, the humans, 
is what we found topic generation, automation, localization, that there are places where this is a really useful tool. And in fact, we use and are starting to use AI more and more in terms of kind of how we look at the future of content. But at the same time, even on our biggest projects, the ones that have the most automation clients for whom we're producing thousands of pieces of content, tens of thousands of pieces of content, even we're not using the robots to put the words and sentences together. That's kind of a recipe for disaster right now. I think that the promise of writing a book in seven days using Jarvis seems really exciting. I'm not sure that that would work yet. I mean, I guess technically, like you said, there would be words that would fill out the pages of a book. But do you want to read that? Yeah. And there's like the two paths there of one, do you want to read it because the information is good? And we're getting there. Like there's the AI's made some strides. And then there's do you want to read it because it's elegant or eloquent and beautifully written? It's something that you want to engage with that captures you. And that's where the robots are even farther away. So I think the challenge is figuring out how to get from some of these places where AI is useful, like topic creation, and move kind of down the road with it. And it's something that there's these cool open source tools out there. So we actually have folks on our team that are playing around with AI right now, kind of almost in their spare time so that we know what's coming and we know what's possible. And like I said, let us more and more kind of to the conclusion that you want humans writing the words and you want AI helping them on the back end with some of that automation and planning. And I think the interesting thing you said is, is it engaging? Is it something that people want to read? And that really plays towards what you do in your career is running content for Verblio and looking at that engagement model across the customer journey and the differences in content that creates initial awareness, that creates initial engagement, that drives somebody through the funnel. Talk to me a little bit about your customer journey. So I'm the director of content marketing at Verblio, which is a fascinating puzzle. Not only am I marketing to other marketers, but I'm doing content marketing for the content marketing company, which is like a whole nother layer. And that journey piece is really important to me because I think that content so often is the first interaction that folks have with your brand. And that's a good thing. I would much rather people interact with my content, but not a billboard, for example, except in rare cases where billboards represent content. And then that's a whole different can of worms. So if the first interaction is with a piece of content, I want that content to accurately reflect what's going to happen all the way through purchase and then post-purchase. In the case of like this kind of SaaS tech-enabled world that I'm in, the content has to continue. So the email newsletter and the articles and the content in the email newsletter that they're going to see a year from now that I want them to share with their friends so that we generate another customer needs to be part of the same stream as that first piece of content that they found on LinkedIn or through organic search. And by connecting all those dots, we're going to end up with a much more branded, wholesome experience from start to finish. There's a lot of stuff that happens in the middle, and that requires buy-in across a lot of teams. So for example, onboarding emails from customer success now need to look, feel, and speak like the content that drew people in in the first place. And managing that kind of brand voice is, is a challenge. Have you seen our latest ad? No. Okay, well, it says enjoy an alcohol-immersed shrimp this summer. Oh, I think they meant shrimp cocktail. Looks like this team needs Acrolinks, the content impact platform that avoids ambiguities in source content and improves content translation. I think the thing that creates complexity is people's lack of attention to content in general. So you're building something 
that is timed specifically for the middle of the funnel, but you still need to take into consideration the fact that it's likely the first thing that they're going to see because they may not have paid attention to the things that you think got them there. So you can't just start in the middle of a conversation. Everything needs to be part of a full story, at least a little bit, because I might jump in at that point. And taking it back even further, the things that you create at the beginning of this conversation need to educate the future, but the future needs to look back. It becomes very complex. Yeah. Ashley Faust, she's at Atlassian. She's fond of calling that a content playground where you don't actually know which toy they're going to pick up first. So to some extent, think classifying your content as top of funnel or bottom of funnel becomes a real challenge. And as soon as you do that, some customer is going to start with a piece of quote, bottom of funnel content. My takeaway there is it all the more important that you build content that serves that narrative and serves that story throughout. Yeah. And if it's not all equally as impactful, the analogy is that people spend all this time and energy and money at the beginning of the dating process online. You're putting everything into getting the perfect pictures and everything. And then you show up at that first date in a weird outfit, ripped jeans, whatever. You spent all that time up front to create an impression. And then you stopped creating an impression for a specific moment, but each moment is as important as the next. You can't let anything fall. So you're on the hook in your role for making sure that every piece of every touch point that you have is as important as the next one is as engaging. So that if that is the thing that's going to move the needle, if that is where the impact is going to happen, it happens. I'm very lucky. I get to work with some brilliant folks in terms of the branding piece. At the same time, we're fighting these uphill battle because the people that we're trying to attract, our, our target audience, are marketers. Right. So if we step in it, they know. And I used to be a musician, and that was what I went to school for and kind of where I come from, that creative background. And I keep thinking about how hard it is to play music for other musicians. Because sometimes you can just blow right through a wrong note and, and people miss it. And when there's a musician in the audience, they always catch it. And the same thing is true for my team in terms of building content for other content marketers. And it's led to this incredible emphasis on authenticity. It's not something that we want to read ourselves. We're not going to produce it. It has to be something that's providing value in that way. And that's where we're maybe a little lucky is that we get to be our own critics there. First of all, on the music side with the wrong note, I actually like that. So coming from a music background as well, I live for that. There's a one beat missed in a song on Alanis Morissette's first album, Taylor missed one drum beat. They left it in. That is the high point of that album for me. Anyway, aside, I don't know how we got there, but I think the complexity of this whole process really plays out that you need that oversight over all those touch points. And that's, we see that in our everyday life in what I do because we're about AI governance. So we're putting that layer of alignment over everything that we do so that the things like tone of voice and clarity and consistency and terminology are aligned throughout the process. And that process doesn't start or stop. It has to follow and add to that. It's different for different people. So you're marketing to marketing, but there's various folks that are going to be recipients of this content that are looking for slightly different tones of voice or use different words or different parts of language and being able to target specifically at them to engage those people at the right time, that is that next level above that creates the next piece of complexity. It's the technique of an inside joke. Nothing builds trust and authenticity like an inside joke. And you also can't come up with one off the top of your head. It has to be experienced and lived. And 
that's a really key lesson, I think, for content marketers. And it's one that the robots, I think, will perpetually struggle with. All I can think of is if a robot doesn't know Fletch quotes, I don't know what to do with them. (laughs) I would like to dig into, so you do come from a music background. Tell me a little bit about that. I play trombone, the world's sexiest instrument. And yeah, I started playing when I was 10 years old and always enjoyed it, always loved it and went to school and ended up getting a degree in it. And that was in Texas, moved to Colorado for grad school to keep playing and ended up making the jump to content marketing when a music software company in town needed someone who really understood their target audience. And I said, well, I'm your target audience and I'd love to see what happens. And what I learned is that so much of what I love about making music translates perfectly to content marketing. And you practice and you work as a team and you build this really beautiful thing that you're deeply invested in. And if you don't show it to the right audience, you're not going to end up with anything in the tip jar. So content marketing becomes not just about the product, but about how you distribute it and how you self-promote. And there's so many parallels with making music. And that's just kind of become the the direction for my career. And the best part is that the benefits in marketing are much better than the benefits in terms of playing jazz. So I still play actively in the Denver and the Colorado area, play with the funk group. And luckily, I don't have to do that nine to five Monday through Friday. Or, I mean... Maybe it'll work out and you'll just end up getting that gig for real, get millions of dollars. Either way, what is one piece of advice that you would give to somebody that's coming into a role like yours that you wish you had when you started would just be transformative to you now? It is impossible to underestimate the importance of process for content marketing leaders. Like I said, coming from that creative background, I tend to not necessarily be process-driven. I want to build and go and do. And managing process is the biggest thing that's different from being on the team to leading the team. And so if you're leading a content marketing team, invest in process, make a part of every single day, and it'll pay dividends on the other side. Where do you come in on just overall governance from a content strategy standpoint? Governance like from the organization or aligning everything that you're doing across all of your content? I think it's a big part of my role. And to that extent, like everything is content and that feels really daunting and that can be tough to get buy-in for. But I think the way to go about getting that buy-in is to serve your internal customers. Like if I go a couple of weeks even without talking to the sales team and getting a feel for what they're experiencing on a week-to-week basis, I'm not doing my job. And the same goes for teams like customer success or account management, if I'm not plugged in with them and doing them a service and providing value internally for them, then I'm not able to show them that content is part of their job. And I say all that coming from both from a background as an in-house marketer and as an in-house marketer now. In the agency world, it's a little different, I think. But I think about internal customers and I think about them as customers. I need to attract and provide value via content for, I think, sales is a great example. Perfect. Fantastic. Ryan, this has been awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show. How would people find you if they want to catch up and follow up on this conversation? You can find Verblio at verblio.com. And then the best way to find me is just on LinkedIn. Excellent. Ryan, thanks for being here today. I hope you have a great weekend coming up. Let's stay in touch. Yeah, I love that. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to join us next time for more insights from people who love words. This podcast was brought to you by Acrolinks. Continue honing your enterprise content by checking out other episodes at acrolinks.com slash wordbirds. 
If you have questions or comments, feel free to get in touch with Chris and his team by sending a message to word.birds at acrolinks.com. That's all for now. See you next time.